Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? It is Mason Pierce here, and today we are joined by fellow TCU offensive lineman, Brandon Coleman. Brandon, how are you doing, my guy? What's up? I'm good. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, I'm thrilled to be able to have another TCU Horn Frog on the podcast. You know, you know, your fellow teammate, Steve, we did an episode a little bit earlier this week, and I'm, you know, absolutely thrilled that we've got you on today. Now, Brandon, before we do start, kind of like what we did with Steve, just let the people know a little bit about you, where you're from, and yeah, just some interesting things that we may not know about you. Yeah, so uh, my name is Brandon Coleman. I'm a offensive lineman for TCU um, from Denton, Texas. Originally, grew up in uh, Berlin, Germany. Um, moved over here in 2016 playing basketball, so uh, not always a football guy, but yeah, that's really all there is to me, not, not a lot of stuff going on. It was pretty cool because I never realized until, until I got kind of close with you and Steve that originally you weren't even from the U.S. You were actually from Germany, and, you know, your first sport correct. wasn't even football. Yeah, so what, correct. So what, so what kind of got you to transition over to football? Because I know, like we've talked a couple times, I know you said kind of your size that attracted a lot of coaches, especially at your high school in Denton. But, uh -huh. you know, what was kind of the huge factor and why you wanted to transition from basketball to football? Um, I mean, I never really wanted to transition, you know, I grew up playing basketball since I was like six or seven, um, got pretty, pretty big with it in Germany, played on a bunch of like select teams and like Berlin select team and for Germany, stuff like that. Um, but originally I moved over here. I just wanted to play basketball, got to like a bunch of camps in AU, and then the coaches just saw me football coaches and said, yeah, you should try for football. And I always wanted to try it. Um, my dad had to play football. Um, he always had me at running routes, doing like certain like football stuff. It was never really specific, but just random stuff. Um, and so I said, yeah, I might as well. Started off as a quarterback, just didn't know what to do. Nervous is like nobody can be like anybody can be in uh then, yeah, over the years in high school, I just transitioned to O-line, and it kind of went from there. So how was it playing quarterback your first couple of years? Because I could imagine, you know, having to remember all, you know, all the plays, all the, you know, formations and everything like that. It probably was a little bit confusing, especially at your size. You know, you probably, you know, stood out a little bit like a sore thumb. Yeah. I mean, I've I had to rephrase that. I mean, I transitioned to O-line, like, learned over the years, but – I played quarterback for maybe like two or three weeks. They gave me like oh, two okay. or three weeks. I didn't take like one rep probably in practice. Like this summer, <laughs> I didn't take a rep at all. I was nervous. All I was doing was tossing the balls to the quarterbacks that were actually playing. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, one day after practice, I was walking back to our field house and the coach walked up to me and said, yeah, you might uh, try out D-line. That might work better for you. And I was like, all right. I mean, look where you're at out. now. I mean, exactly. the coach is right in the end. So just real quick, so what high school in Denton did you you come from? Was it Ryan, Geyer? No, nah, this is the worst one. It was Denton High. Oh, you actually – okay, so you came from Denton High. Okay, I got, <laughs> yeah. I got you. So you, so yeah. you didn't come from any of the powerhouse Denton schools. Uh -huh. I got you. I, I didn't know. I didn't know about, like, how successful they were. I would have definitely went there. I mean, it was, was a little – kind of, Yeah, I mean, they, it was a little bit different back then. They weren't as, like, you know, as much nah, as they are. Definitely. As much as they are now where you see them, you know, Five-star, 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 another four-star, uh -huh. five-star. But, no, I mean, so during your high school career, were you heavily recruited or did you kind of, like, kind of go under the carpet, if you want to say, by a lot of recruiters? Um, I mean, my senior year when I started playing O-line, 
I got a bunch of schools that were interested that came up and talked to me. Okay. But nobody really offered me just because I was new. They didn't know me. And I was pretty, like, I was undersized. I didn't touch a weight when I was in Germany. So I was pretty, like, weak compared to all the other alignment that were seniors. I got you. Yeah. Um, and I only had, like, one. I had Incarnate Word that actually offered me. Um, and then Trinity Valley Juco that I ended up committing to and going to. And that's what I was just about to talk about. I was about to say you decided to go the JUCO route, and, you know, actually mm-hmm. kind of not not necessarily gamble, but kind of, you know, take a chance on yourself. And I mean, like yeah. where you're at now, it absolutely worked. But what was kind of the decision you had, you know, instead of going to Incarnate Word, instead going to Trinity Valley and going to a JUCO? Um, I mean, it's really what people have been telling me that have been in this like football game and recruiting for a while, coaches and my dad, um, just saying that with JUCO. It'll, it'll suck a lot more than like a D1, but that's where you'll be able to develop more and get a mindset just with me not playing football. That's why I need to develop the mentality. I wasn't used to all the contact. I was always told I can't be as physical just because basketball is not really as physical as football at all. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's what Juke really helped me with is developing like a mentality and becoming tough in the sport. So during your Juco career, because how many years were you at Trinity Valley? year and a half okay so you're at a year and a half so how did your time at trinity value trinity valley how did it help you build you know build yourself up kind of as a you know a player and as a person because like once again i know going through the whole juco process it kind of humbles you out and kind of puts you back in reality mm-hmm. knowing that you know you know your, your career could end at any single moment and you know you got to really take advantage of any opportunities you're given yeah correct um I mean, yeah, like I said, that those first like summer workouts, uh, the spring workouts, the winter workouts, those were the ones that really uh, were life changing for me when it comes to mentality, when it comes to sports. You know, when I was younger, I was never really the one to want to push further. When things got hard, I was like, all right, I guess that's enough. Um, but what Juco taught me is you have to push through that and really break ceilings. Um, and there's nobody that's going to coach you up on that. You have to do that yourself. You have to be kind of your own motivator for that however you have to do you have to get through it and um just the people especially competition that was there too we had bounce backs that were amazing especially defensively so my first year one was like 280 I was going against power five bounce backs that were legit just whooping me day in day out but in the end it helped me build that mentality and also just helped me as a football player get better they helped me a lot through that like teach me certain points that D-linemen do and uh, just helped me throughout my process of getting better and learning football still, being that being my second year playing O-line ever. I mean, and honestly, it looks like it paid off for you, you know, being able to take kind of that year off, you know, not being super high on a lot of, you know, radars and everything like that, and actually, like, mm-hmm. mastering your craft because say you went, you know, to Incarnate Word, you would be at, you know, pretty much the not the highest level, but one of the highest levels of college football you can get to. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot more expectations for you if you don't perform immediately. And considering you hadn't been playing football that long, you know, it kind of kind of sucks for you almost because, you know, you haven't fully established, you know, being an offensive lineman yet, you know, you not even a couple of years ago, you were full-time playing basketball. So, I mean, I honestly, that was probably a smart decision for you to go and take the Juco route, you know, go through all the hardships of playing Juco, which mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it strengthened you to become the player you are today. Now, the next thing I do want to talk about is, so during your JUCO days, were there any like notable players you remember playing against that went on to, you know, power five schools or even the NFL? Yeah. Um, 
there's one D lineman, uh, Juan Henry. He plays at Sam Houston or played. I don't know if he's still playing, but uh, he was just quick and had power too. And I remember me and him used to go at it almost every day. Um, and that really helped me with like developing my speed in my set, just because I went against the fastest guy almost every day in one-on-ones. And I mean, he beat me a lot just around the edge with moves, but also helped me with training my eyes, training my feet, like all that coordination, that speed. And now it helped me to develop it to where I can keep up. Um, and we had countless people that, that were bounce backs or also like me developing that were just amazing, like players, raw talent that were developing and just having that, like the iron sharpens iron, what coaches always say was actually going on there. I could see it, people getting better through that year that I was there, the year and a half. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So, yeah but no, uh, so real quick, real quick, just kind of like a kind of like off the topic question. So have you ever watched Last Chance You on Netflix? Yeah, I watched, I think, like the first couple of seasons. And oh, then okay. The Independence. So is that like an accurate like representation of how it is actually playing Juco football? Now, I know, obviously, they followed, you know, the best absolute Juco programs in the country, you know, East Mississippi and all that. But would you say that's kind of, you know, kind of some of the hardships you go to that go through, like it actually kind of, I guess you say paints the actual picture of what it's like to be a Juco football player. Yeah, definitely. And when I watch that, I can relate to a lot of stuff, you know, the, the facilities, the tight, the like the way practices run, the strength, like conditioning, the, um, the punishments for sure. Like everything like you can relate to that. And just the type of players that are there, I feel like is what I relate to the most because every JUCO has those types of players that, you know, they might be underdeveloped or academic, they might have academic problems, something like that, but they all have that dog in them, you know. That's what all JUCO players have, even if they're undersized, whatever. I feel like JUCO players are the ones to work the hardest, to go I, the longest, you know. I was about to say, I absolutely agree with you because some of the best NFL players that we've seen, guys like Josh Allen and all that, they came from the JUCO route, you know, weren't highly recruited exactly. and everything like that. And now they're out here making some stupid amount of money. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but anyway, let's talk a little bit about some of the offers you got, you know, once your JUCO career was done. So I think it was back in early 2019, if I'm correct, that you started kind of getting a lot of attention from a lot of D1 schools. Yeah. So a couple of offers that, you know, I'm just looking at 24-7 and everything like that. You got Iowa State, Missouri, Houston, Florida State, and then most notably TCU. So what was kind of like, I guess you could say the final schools that you were, that you like, okay, I'm potentially going to go to one of these schools, you know, I've been eyeballing them for a little bit. And kind of what was the decision, like decision making that went into you making, you know, your actual decision to go to TCU? Yeah, I mean, I think the... Final schools that I had were Iowa State, Florida State, and then TCU. And then USC was talking to me a little bit, wanted me to come out. Oh, okay. And I was kind of interested, but um, it didn't go anywhere. Those are kind of the final schools. And in the end, I just I took an official visit to TCU. That was the first one I took. And I really didn't have to take other any other visits. I mean, the coaches were amazing. Um, the old staff and the new staff right now, you know, they're like family. They care about their players, the way that it's run, the way that they handle things on the field, off the field, academics. Um, and that's close to home in my family. It all kind of just worked out great to where it seemed like home from the minute I stepped on the uh, campus and on the field. So it was kind of just the first pick. 
Okay, I was I was about to ask because it kind of like wanting to stay at home type of thing. Because when I talked with Steve, that was kind of his factor and why he wanted to go to TCU as well. Because it felt like, you know, a home environment, a family environment where, you know, it didn't feel like you're going halfway across the country. And, you know, you're not really as wanted or not don't really have that feeling of, you know, like comfort pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really wasn't a big factor for me as much just because I moved from Germany where I left my mom. Um for coming here. My dad wasn't in Texas at the time. So I was like, okay, with being away from family or from home and getting put in like different positions. Okay. But it was just, I guess when I say home, like, yeah, that my family can come to the games as easily as they can for like an hour drive is good. I got but you. When I say home, I meant like the way, like, it, like it's not that um, I'm trying to compare the two, but like just the energy I got from there resonated a lot with like juco especially when we started working out you know a lot of people were just competitive um trying to get after it and it wasn't like a bunch of like bickering going on about this too hard this too hard it was like just a bunch of working you know yeah and when i talked to players when i was on my visit they were the same way and had that type of mentality and that's what i liked about it i got you yeah and i mean I'm guessing one of your factors also in going to TCU was, you know, Coach Patterson and kind of the, you know, message that, and message and kind of mentality that he brings. And was, I mean, was Coach P kind of one of the factors why you wanted to go to TCU as well? Yeah. I mean, when you talked about him being like two different people on the field and off the field, I mean, that's, that's true. I watched some clips before I committed of him, like coaching how it is, ask people. And yeah, definitely his uh, mindset towards the game is unmatched, I feel like the effort that he puts in it, the mind that he has towards it was just unreal um, when he was here. So it's definitely a decision, like a factor in the decision that I made. I got you. I got you. Uh, another like kind of just weird off the topic thing. Does coach, does coach P actually sweat as much in practice as he does in games? Because as you know, he's kind of, you know, you no, know, kind of known, kind of known for being, you know, just changing shirts at halftime, changing visors at halftime. Is he is was he like yeah. that in practice, bringing yeah, the same it, type it of energy? Was, if not the same, worse when it oh, comes geez. to sweating. I mean, he has like his personal time and everything. He has someone that constantly had a water bottle for him. I got because he was doing that. And I mean, yeah, in practice, his energy was the exact same. By the end of the first fall camp practice, he already lost his voice. Like he was coaching, he was getting <laughs> after yelling around, getting after players. So he was definitely in it every day, no matter where his voice was at. I was, I, I, was, I was about to also ask because it seems like every you know post game interview he has he has no voice like he's completely hoarse mm-hmm. he probably won't be able to talk for the next few days and I mean you love to be coached by a guy like that that truly cares and you know wants the best for all of you definitely yeah he always left it out there it, no matter if it's a practice if it's conditioning if it's a game he always left it out there hundred percent now just one final thing on the coach P saga and everything like that how did it personally affect you when you heard that coach p would be resigning from tcu was it kind of like a was it kind of like a just complete shock or or was it something that you saw coming from a distance i mean with how the season went um you kind of had a thought about it but never really thought like i could not imagine it actually happening mid-season or even after so when we heard that um he was gone then also mid-season he was just going to be stopping the coach it was kind of a shock. You know, you, you lost your head guy, your leader, you lost him. So everybody's kind of disoriented, didn't know really how to handle the situation, um, coaches and players, that is. So it definitely took some adjusting to do, and that was definitely some adversity, the adversity we had to handle during the season. 
Yeah, and I I completely agree with you. I mean, it shocked the whole TCU community as a whole. I mean, I mean, this was a guy that transformed the university as a whole, you know, throughout his 22 yeah, seasons good. at TCU. But no, um, but let's talk a little bit more about you. You know, we're kind of getting off topic a little bit. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit more about you. So during your first season at TCU, how did that go? Um, it went it went all right for what it was. I mean, um, I was able to get into the rotation. Um, first four games started picking up by game three or four. And in game three, I had a wrist injury that happened. Um, tried to play through with the cast game four, and it just got worse. And I was out for the rest of the season. I tore my ECU tendon oh, and a TCC ligament. And there's a bunch of other stuff that was going on for years, but I had to get surgery on it after now, a couple of months of trying just to heal. So now during but, your, oh, my bad. Yeah. Now you go, you go, you go ahead. I was, I was about to say, so during your first season at TCU, that was also the COVID season, right? Yes. Okay. So, so how was it? So, how was it like kind of not having as much preparation and, you know, kind of, you know, time? Cause I mean, obviously there's a lot more restrictions. There's a lot more, you know, guidelines you had to follow. And kind of how did that also affect this season for y'all? Because I know that season, like a lot of other teams in college football, didn't really go the way that you wanted it to, but, on a personal level, how did it really impact you? Obviously, having you know a season-ending injury, what was? How did you kind of keep your head up and just know that you know everything will be all right? There's always next season and stuff like that. Um, I mean, yeah, COVID. Personally, I don't think it affected me just much. Just because if you took care of yourself, you followed the guidelines that were there at the time, you stayed healthy. Um, I think as a team, it's kind of what hurt us the most. Just because we lost uh, our offensive line wise, at least I know we lost a bunch of starters. You know, we had to rotate Steve out to tackle for the last games that he has never played that season. You know, and he had to kind of do that. Um, we're coming off of COVID himself. So it's just it's a bunch of it was just really the rotation that got messed up. We lost a lot of players, um, which is also a factor in why we didn't go to that bowl game that year. Yeah, because because um, originally injuries. Oh, I was about to say so because originally y'all were supposed to play Arkansas right in Texas mm -hmm. Bowl and then COVID completely destroyed you know went right through the program and then y'all ultimately had to end up canceling that game because yes. you just didn't have enough time to prep you know prepare and also you really did y'all even have enough guys that were ready that, to yeah I, it was not the prep time it was just like like you said we just didn't have enough guys you know but with the COVID guys and guys that were hurt because they're doing overtime yeah um it was just not enough there to compete the way that we wanted to i got you so so real quick when you came to tcu and during your first season did they so were you primarily supposed to be a tackle or did they kind of have you going back and forth between guard and tackle um i was just a tackle going in um i told him i could switch left and right and okay. uh coach altman when he was still here he was always joking, yeah, you're going to go uh, interior, you're going to do this. And we're always just joking around. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's not me. A um, year later, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm I was... playing guard. I'm also taking snaps at center just for the hell, like for the fun of it. Um, so there's definitely a lot changed since then. But, yeah, my the intentions weren't there for me to play guard. It just kind of started in the spring when, like, injuries happened. They're like, could you play? And then I kind of just kept working at it and trying to improve. And now I'm – playing guard more than I play tackle so I, I was I was about to say because during this past season you primarily started at guard like 
mm-hmm. you you were pretty much strictly a guard, you know, playing alongside Steve. But also injury still kind of did derail that 2021 season as, you know, you just kind of had to also play, you know, like Steve, like we saw once again, kind of had to play like a utility tool, Swiss Army knife, because, I mean, there just wasn't enough guys. So going into this 2022 season, you know, getting a couple transfers, most notably Alon. That's how you pronounce his name, right? From SMU. Yeah, you know, he followed Coach Dykes over from SMU. How do you think having a, a veteran like that will positively impact that offensive line room? Um, I think he's been he's been doing a great job, you know, on the field and off the field. Just, you know, I, he'd say, I think he played like over 3,000 snaps himself Jeez, in the top yeah. in college. So he brings a lot of experience to the like room, especially like interior-wise. He helped me a lot with like what steps to take, how to handle things, like just the mindset. Um, which he got a lot from Coach Rickard, who's been great. So um, having him in the room with just his way that he plays and bringing that talent to him, also just what he has in his mind, you know, all that knowledge is great. He's been helping us a lot during the spring. He'll also help us a lot in the fall. Now, another thing I also want to talk about is the new coaching staff. So I think it was back in December when you when you when all of y'all finally heard that Coach Dykes would become the new head coach of, you know, TCU football. What was kind of the initial reaction from the whole you know, just team as a whole, we all kind of excited for this new era of TCU football and kind of excited because of all the new assistant coaches that would be coming along. Because I know, you know, it's not really getting talked a lot about, but the assistant coaches at TCU have really been solid. Like going to a couple practices, mm-hmm. I've noticed it personally. I mean, the energy is completely different. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna lie. My first reaction, I was a little skeptical. I wasn't, I wasn't like really like a big fan. Just, I think it also had to do with the fact that Coach P left. You know, I was still, like, kind of process that. I agree, yeah. Um, so, just, like, any type of switch would have probably just not been the greatest just because, like, you just lost a guy that you've been with for the year since you've gotten there. Um, but once we really got into it in the wintertime, um, especially with the strength staff, that was, like, mainly who we're working with right now, it's uh, it's been great. I mean, the coaches themselves have been great. Coach Dyke's been doing a great job taking care of what we need to take care of. Um, getting the team to where they need to be. Um, position coaches, Coach Rickers been doing a great job trying to get us right, um, especially with the mindset. All I needs to be like thinking they're going to be like the nastiest guys on the field and be a tough. And he's been preaching that the whole spring. He's been preaching that the whole summer into fall camp. Uh, so definitely great group of guys that we got. I got you. I got that, you. Um, you got to get us right for sure. So during last season, you played in about 11 games, right? Yeah. Okay. So during those 11 games, what was your, you know, personal favorite game that you played in? And, you know, the game that you felt that, you know, the O line as a whole kind of dominated together? Oh, I think, I think it's two. So one of them is uh, OU. Okay. We had like 500 yards offense. I was about to say, Quentin went off that game. Exactly. Quentin went off that game. It's not just, I mean, the O-line was just on, everybody was on the page, and oh yeah, that's a great defense, and we are just able to compete, you know, getting 500 yards. I was about to and say. I feel like the whole offense was just on, like, one page, doing what they had to do, yeah. taking care of business. So, it was a great game, a great feel. Because, I mean, y'all gave Max plenty of time, and I know, you know, Max is kind of a scrambling quarterback. You're going to want him kind of to get out of the pocket and run a little bit more. I mean, unfortunately, this season we did see Max struggle a little bit more than we kind of were used to. But, 
you know, the future is looking bright. You know, Chandler Morris, the Oklahoma transfer, he's looking pretty solid for you, for y'all guys. Obviously, the Baylor game last season, which, you know, talking to a couple of TCU guys, that was definitely a huge momentum boost for y'all. So, so definitely going into this next season. And once again, I told Steve the same thing. I'm not trying to start anything between, you know, the quarterbacks and the linemen, but yeah. are you kind of anticipating Max or Chandler to start or you're kind of anticipate, anticipating it to be like a 1A, 1B type of situation? Um, I mean, I really don't have any speculation on who's going to be, how they're going to do it. I just know both of the quarterbacks bring a lot to the table, a lot to this offense, leadership-wise, talent-wise, you know, to where I would – I would love to buy for any of them. Okay. So that's all I really got on that. I got you. Both two great guys that bring a lot to this table. No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, obviously, Max going into his senior year, he definitely has a lot to prove. But, I mean, I think it's pretty possible. He's got all the talent that you want out of a starting quarterback. But that's enough fun. about them. Let's talk a little bit about you going into this 2022 season. So are you going to be primarily starting at guard this season or are you going to be at tackle? Um, I don't, I don't even know, you know, Okay. uh, just coach Ricker is one he's, I think he's told us that and Alan also told us that he likes to experiment a lot with like putting people at different positions in the first couple games, um, or even just in camp, you know, I played tackle, I played guard and I got some center reps, uh, during one-on-ones last spring, Okay. this past spring. So primarily guard and tackle, um, not as much center, but that's really where I'm thinking right now. I was about to say, I think Steve's kind of already solidified his his spot on, you know, being the center. But, I mean, once again, who knows what happens, like you said, with Coach Ricker. He likes to experiment, and it would be interesting yeah. to see week one what happens. And speaking of week one, how excited are you personally for going up to Boulder and playing Colorado? I'm pumped, man. It's been so long. Uh, we're having injuries last season I'm at my knee, so I missed a couple games. So I'm excited to get back to camp and then – week one fly out there and play some ball man it's gonna be great I mean I'm super excited to see y'all play in that game I mean that's a game that I feel like y'all really can prove to the country that you know y'all aren't y'all should be definitely taken a lot more serious than y'all are because shockingly enough I've seen a lot of people you know quote-unquote experts and all this talking about y'all finishing ninth in the big 12 y'all finishing eighth in the big 12 and in my in, in my opinion you know not being biased or anything but, I mean, y'all definitely are not going to be, you know, bottom 10 in the Big 12 at all. Like, y'all, I mean, <laughs> talent-wise, whether, like, yeah. whether, like you said, O-line, quarterback, wide, I mean, especially wide receivers, you know, secondary, just the whole team as a whole. And then also with Coach G coaching up the defense now and kind of how explosive they're being. I mean, y'all mm -hmm. seriously are definitely a team that should, that should be taken a lot more serious than y'all are. Yeah, those are just, you know, media people that like to stir things up, just – Talk, but they're not there experiencing what we are. And what I'm seeing is just right now a team that's willing to work, willing to put in the, the time and the effort that's growing together. And like you said, we have talents on both sides of the ball. I mean, offense, we have seniors across the line on the, on the O-line with Max. We have outstanding receiver core, running backs, you know, and on defense, we have players like D winners, Dylan Horton, uh, Trey, you know, it's, yeah. it's just we have all the talent we need. We just need to all put it together, put the pieces together, and we can be as good as anybody else. No, I completely agree with you. And I know one of the biggest kind of factors when it comes to TCU football in the past couple of years has been injuries. And like you said, these past couple of seasons for the O-line, 
really haven't been able to, you know, kind of be healthy at the same time. It's always been, you know, one guy's dealing with a lingering issue or, you know, so and so forth. But I mean, during, I mean, for this upcoming 2022 season, I mean, obviously I know you can't predict the future, but do you definitely think this could be the like the year where everything starts to finally click for the Frogs? I think so, 100%, especially I think that this uh, coaching change is going to be a big factor in that, you know, especially the strength staff. Um, they've been doing a great job at modifying lifts for players that uh, need different things, you know, like O-linemen, people like that need to lift more weight, but the receivers need to be quicker, need to get out of the either stance faster to go around the route. So they've done a great job at kind of modifying things to where everybody gets better at what they're supposed to with uh, minimizing injuries, paying attention to people, tweaking stuff, walking. Like they look at how you walk, they look at how you do certain motions to where they can see if you injure something, if something's hurting and adapt that to you. And I think the fact that they're doing that while pushing nutrition, which is a big factor in injury, um, hydration is going to be a game changer going into the season, also throughout the season, staying healthy. I got you. And also Coach Kaz, I mean, no one's really been, I mean, I remember seeing like a top 50, you know, strength and conditioning coaches throughout the whole country. And he didn't even make the top 50. I mean, yeah, this <laughs> is crazy to me. Cause like, once again, being at a couple of the practices that y'all held, I mean, he's, I mean, he's out there running with y'all. He's out there, you know, I mean, he's just, he's, that's what you want out of a strength and conditioning yeah. coach. And I mean, it's showing a lot, you know, with a lot of these guys who once again, have dealt with a lot of injuries throughout their whole careers, guys like Noah and, you know, just a couple others, he's gotten them healthy and kind of, you know, the best player they could potentially be. Exactly. I mean, to me, dude's best in the country, man. Best in the world. I agree with you. So he, yeah, he's here for the players. He doesn't care about the job title or anything. He's here for the players. You know, we are his job. That's what he always says. And there's no, he couldn't do this without us. So is his main job in his eyes is to keep us healthy, to get us right for the season, to prep our minds, especially. And uh, he's been doing a great job with that. He's I got a great, you. great coach right there. I got you. So as we're getting closer and closer to obviously fall camp and then, you know, the season opener on September 3rd, what are some personal goals that you have for yourself during this upcoming season? And, you know, mentally, how are you going to prepare yourself to be able to achieve those goals? Um, I think my top goal is just staying healthy throughout the whole season, you know, or as much as you can, but uh, make it through all through all games. Um, and I've been doing rehab. I've been getting with the strength staff um, trainers to try to work out a plan to where I can do that, doing certain things to where I can strengthen what I've injured in the recent years. Um, another goal is just playing the best season I can, you know. I, I was trying to not to like not give up any sacks to be the most aggressive I can be and leave it all out there and look like the most aggressive guy on the field. Um, that's going to be my goal in camp as it is during the season for every game. I got you. And another thing real quick is in your play style, have you really changed anything to become a better player or are you kind of just sticking to your roots and using the same type of techniques and everything like that? Um, you know, I constantly try to just learn and grow from different people. Um, like Along, for example, helped me with just being more aggressive in my run game. Just before, I was kind of focused on my steps. Now I just try to get off the ball and move somebody. I'm focused more on the physicality aspect rather than the technical aspect of the game, you know. I got you. Um, so being able to work on that during spring and also being able to work on that in fall camp before the season would be great. Um, just trying to perfect whatever I can before 
competition in September. I got you. I mean, I'm super excited to see y'all perform, especially the O-line, because once again, I don't feel like y'all get enough recognition because, you know, these running backs wouldn't be dominating as much. Now, once again, they're super talented, but they wouldn't mm -hmm. be dominating as much if y'all weren't, you know, dominating the front. But and last thing I kind of want to talk about is kind of the transfer portal. And in your opinion, how is it like positively impacted TCU and how is it negatively impacted TCU? Because I know losing Zach Evans definitely probably was a huge you know, huge hole that was left. But at the same time, you've also got guys like Kendra, Amari, and just a mm -hmm. super talented running back room that we do have, kind of, you know, being able to immediately replace that misproduction. Yeah, exactly. Just like you said, I mean, the transfer portal, I mean, it took some players from us that were talented, that uh, definitely could have brought a lot to this team. But the way I see it, if they don't want to be here, they wouldn't do us any good being here if they don't want to. Um, as if they would transfer out, you know. So if you're not about in 100%, then uh, I wouldn't want you on this team just because you're not you're not going to give it your all. You know, you don't want to be here. Um, and like you mentioned as well, we have talent and depth at every position to where we can fill it out if we would lose someone to a transport like Zach. He left, but we have people to – we have people with talent, with great everything that like Kendra and Amari. Um, and now transferring in Amani from uh, – the Randy Cajuns to yeah, yeah Lafayette. He to, might be uh, oh sorry. Nigga to kind of fill that position out. No, I, um, I was about so. to say, I was about to say, yeah, Bailey might definitely be kind of a sneaky good running back for us this year. I mean, I mean he, he was dominant during his time at you know Louisiana and I think he'll be a great back also for you know the, the frogs. Dude, it's, it's tough, tough runner. Great you know, perform well during the spring. So can't wait to see what he does during the season. Absolutely. Now, real quick, kind of to wrap up today's little interview, let's talk a little bit about you and Steve and y'all's uh, podcast that y'all have coming up called My Turn. Mm -hmm. So um, My Turn is a podcast idea Steve originally came up with like a year ago. Um, basically, the gist of it is uh, it's called My Turn Voice Student-Athletes. And like it says in the title, um, it's basically just an outlet to let um, athletes talk about who they are outside of football. You know, there's tons of athletes on this team or even in uh, in sports in general, college sports that have such interesting lives, so much they could bring and share to the uh, community that oftentimes they don't get to just because they're just known as a player, as a number, someone for their talent, you know, and not for who they are as a person. So my turn is just somewhere where they can talk about that um and really be themselves which also help connect to the community they'll know who that person is rather just what that number is you know um yeah. so we're definitely excited to get that started and um let the people hear who we are now so for y'all's first episode what are y'all kind of planning to do just you and steve or y'all actually going to have a guest on for y'all's first ever episode um for now yeah it's just kind of the host talking about um us um ourselves and the people getting to know us going forward so that's all we're going to talk about is just our experiences our lives and um let's talk about that which will hopefully be very soon we're ready to first episode soon here in the next couple of weeks no nah, i mean that'll be really exciting i know we're i'm recording. excited i'm sorry no but you're yeah, good. Let me rephrase it. <laughs> no we'll you're recording good. the next couple of weeks it'll be uh during the season we'll definitely post those episodes no, I mean, I know I'm definitely excited to be able to hear y'all and what y'all are going to be able to bring. I know definitely being able to be there, you know, uh, 
upfront and personal and seeing this. I mean, I think I really could succeed doing this, you know, on the field and off the field, being able to do the My Turn podcast. And, you know, as we do wrap up today's episode, is there anything that you want to, you know, tell to any, you know, recruits or any players coming out of high school, you know, about just encourage them that, you know, they, that they're able to make it to the level that you're at right now? Um, If I have a tip for recruits is, well, the first one, Juco is not a bad route. Don't listen to anybody. Juco is not the worst route you can go, you know, is somewhere that can you grow and you can become a better player. It's just if you have if you have the mind for it, if you're invested, then you're definitely going to take something out of it. And um, yeah, just growing that mindset, that dog in you when you get to college, uh, no matter where you go to college at, is going to be important. And just um, great, great effort bringing it every day. Nah, and once again, I appreciate you coming on today, Brandon. I mean, it's an honor to be able to have, you know, a lineman like you, especially because I feel like your story doesn't really get told enough. Yeah, I appreciate you for having me, man. Yeah, of course. Now, of course. if y'all now if any of y'all are interested in finding out a little bit more about Brandon and kind of his story, I will leave links down in the description of today's episode. So make sure to go click on or go, make sure to go click on all of his socials and everything and make sure to give him a follow and you know, just let him know you appreciate him coming on the podcast. But anyway, Brandon, I really do appreciate you for joining me today. And, you know, I hope y'all absolutely ball out this season. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you.